This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello and welcome back to the show. Uh, I say back to those of you who have been listeners before and welcome to the show if you are a first-time listener it's called because i said so i am your host family psychologist john rosemond i i say family psychologist but in truth i don't believe in psychology i am a heretic outlier psychologist i drive my colleagues crazy because i go around the country and i tell the truth which is that psychology is not a science it's an ideology And it is responsible for most of the problems that we are having with children today. Problems that your great-grandparents could not have imagined parents ever having, by the way. We began listening to mental health professionals tell us how to raise children in the mid-1960s. And since that point in time, child mental health professions, people in in those professions, in other words, those professions have exploded And child mental health has eroded. Child mental health today is 10 times worse than it was before we started listening to psychologists and other mental health professionals tell us how to raise children. Remember, I am a psychologist. I am licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. They regret the day they ever gave me a license. I am a heretic. I am an outlier. I am the anti-psychologist. I am the thorn in the side of the mental health professions in America, and I am proud of it. On my website at John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com, you can uh, find my upcoming speaking events. I'll be speaking tomorrow, as a matter of fact, uh, March the 11th. In Beaver Creek, Ohio, at Beaver Creek Christian Church from 2 o'clock to 5.30 in the afternoon, doing a three-hour seminar, a 30-minute break in the middle, called Parenting with Love and Leadership. And then going down the calendar on the 15th and 16th of March, I'll be speaking at Mystic Valley Regional Charter School in Boston, Massachusetts. On March the 18th, that would be a Sunday in Gowensville or Gowensville, G-O-W-E-N-S-V-I-L-L-E, South Carolina, close to Spartanburg, South Carolina. I will be speaking again from 2 o'clock to 5.30 at Gowensville Baptist Church, 2 o'clock to 5.30, again, Parenting with Love and Leadership. And then on March the 22nd in Potsdam, No, I'm sorry, that's not March the 22nd, it's March the 28th. It is a Wednesday night, I will be speaking in Potsdam, New York, at 6.30 in the evening for 90 minutes on Parenting with Love and Leadership, and the public is invited to all of those events. More calendar to come in upcoming shows. Folks, I've just proofed the final Edit on my next book, which is titled Getting to Heaven, written with my pastor at Tabernacle Baptist Church in New Bern, North Carolina, 
Dr. Scott Gleason, and this is the culmination of uh, of a dream that I've had for a number of years, and that is to write a book on theology. I read pretty much nothing but theology and have done so ever since I became a believer in the Lordship of Jesus Christ in the year 2000. And a few years ago, after being uh, after my wife and I moved to New Bern, North Carolina in, in uh, July of 2014 from the Charlotte area, and we began attending Tabernacle Baptist Church, and then we became uh, what I call fully dunked uh, Southern Baptists. <laughs> and uh, uh, I became just so impressed with uh, Dr. Scott Gleason's preaching and preaching style the humor, the erudition that he brought to his uh, preaching. And I approached him with this book idea, and uh, he and I spent uh, two years writing this book, researching it and writing it. And uh, it, is a, uh, it is a book that, as the title implies, again, the title is Getting to Heaven, subtitle, A Guide for the Perplexed, <laughs> which I stole from a uh, – a book that was originally published in the 13th century by a Jewish sage, well-known Jewish sage, well-known in Jewish culture, uh, named Maimonides, and or Maimonides. I've heard it pronounced both ways. A guide for the perplexed, getting to heaven. A guide for the perplexed, and it's it's really it was written to be an evangelical tool for people who are already believers who were witnessing or attempting to witness to people who are not believers. And then it's just, uh, it's, it's also, I mean, we are nearly our whole church has read the book and everybody that has read the book has given us a really great feedback on the book. Anyway, it's a, it's a book. Uh, here's one of the uh, remarks uh, that, that the endorsements of the book, by one Alan Mosley, professor of Old Testament and Hebrew studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He says, it's shocking how many people fail to examine fundamental questions like, what will happen to me after I die? Plenty of folks who think of themselves as intellectually curious have only absorbed the politically correct ideas of Western culture. In an engaging style, Rosemond and Gleason present ideas that challenge postmodern assumptions but are time-worn, worthy of consideration, and right. I love this book and suspect many others will love it and find help in it too. Jim Burns, who is the president of Homeward Ministries, the author of Understanding Your Teen in the First Few Years of Marriage, he writes, When I finished reading Getting to Heaven, I could not think of one person who would not benefit John Roseman and Pastor Scott Gleason have the rare ability to turn complicated and controversial truths into profound insights. I love this book, so will you. Hopefully, it'll be in your local library soon. But if you're interested in uh, uh, more about the book, you can go to my website at johnroseman.com, and it'll it'll be up there with a description and probably even a sample chapter or two within a couple of weeks. So I uh, I told you uh, two programs ago that I had experienced an atrial fibrillation. It's hard for me to even <laughs> say that word. I am 70 years old. I'm one of the few guys my age I know 
who takes no medication. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a little bit out of shape, but I take no medication whatsoever. This was a scary event, let me tell you, and it has shocked me into A, eating more correctly than I was before, B, exercising on a regular basis, C, cutting down drastically on my caffeine. The day I had the AFib episode, unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life, very, very strange and not really frightening. It was just kind of puzzling, the whole thing, what's going on here? But the day I had the AFib episode, I had consumed six cups of coffee. I mean, strong stuff. I like the full octane blend, you know. And, of course, I'm now taking, I don't know, calcium, magnesium, uh, vitamin D, and all this other stuff. And initially, they told me I was going to need a catheterization uh, where they go up into your heart with a catheter from, you know, using some vein to to, uh, uh, go up into you through. And uh, I was going to tell them if they told me I had to have that. I did some reading on it. I read too much that, no, you're not going to do that to me. (laughs) And uh, not on the basis of one AFib when all my other signs are clear and I am symptom-free in every other respect. I, you know, my blood pressure today, one what was it? 120 over 70. That's ah, pretty good for 70 years old, don't you think? A guy who's a sloth, basically. Anyway, the same week, my unusually healthy wife also, and I, by that I mean she is usually a very healthy individual. Um, she is unusually healthy for her age as well. Had to go into an, a, a one of these urgent care facilities in Atlanta, Georgia, where we were. I was doing a parent retreat down there, and um, it, it was just a tumultuous week health-wise. Anyway, lots and lots of people responded to the show saying that Willie and I were in their prayers, and I thank you so much. I saw the doc today, the the cardiologist. He's a what's called uh, invasive cardiologist or something like that. Anyway, he's, you know, he's the real deal. And um, he told me, nah, we don't need to do a catheterization. Uh, uh, catheterization presents more risk than a, a, a one-off AFib. And uh, so, you know, other than uh, I'm changing my diet, uh, I'm not going to eat so much. Cutting down on caffeine, starting to take some uh, supplements and an 82 or 81, whatever it is, granule aspirin a day. Um, everything is fine. Everything is fine. And I appreciate your prayers a great deal. You folks are very, very special to me. You, you out there, you, you who are listening right now, you with your ears glued to this fascinating broadcast. And by the way, it'll get even more fascinating after the break. Because I'm going to tell you the latest parenting advice from the New York Times. Can't you wait? I mean, just can't you wait? Aren't you jumping up and down in your seats to find out what the hyper-liberal, leftist, socialist, progressive, postmodern New York Times says about raising children? Well, you certainly should be. Anyway, it is going to get more fascinating after the break. But to continue, you out there have kept this show on the road for two and a half years. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate your 
you and the fact that your loyalty and and and, and just uh, and I have yet, except from psychologists, <laughs> uh, you know, understandable. I have yet to receive a negative comment about this show. People like it, and I like doing it. And I'll be right back after this break from American Family Radio. Stay tuned. Okay, so we're back from that break. I don't even know what the breaks do. What do they do during the breaks? See, I don't listen to the show. I record the show, and then, you know, I'm usually, I go, I go somewhere. I go to, you know, Timbuktu, and I give a talk. And people come up to me and go, oh, John, I heard your show yesterday. And, and uh, you know, I'm delighted that people are listening to the show. But one of the questions I have, one of the mysteries to me is, why am I breaking every show at 13 minutes? What goes on between 13 and 14 minutes? Okay, maybe some of you out there can tell me, because it really is a mystery to me, and I really do want to know. So, yeah, I said the New York Times uh, is giving parenting advice, uh, a, a dubious source to be sure. On January the 7th, you know, some two months ago, in the New York edition of the New York Times, there appeared an article titled, Is Your Child Lying to You? Question mark. That's good! Exclamation point. Yes, now, parents of children who habitually lie can breathe a huge sigh of relief. The New York Times, no less the flagship of the left, says that budding Pinocchios are more intelligent than kids who tell the truth. That's right. The Gray Lady's announcement, for those of you millennials, uh, younger people out there, the New York Times is uh, affectionately known in journalism circles as the Gray Lady. The Gray Lady's announcement is based on studies done in the 1980s in which young children who disobeyed an instruction and then denied having disobeyed were discovered to have higher IQs than those who admitted disobedience. A subsequent study found that most adults cannot tell when children are lying, a, a finding that seems on the surface at least, to confirm the previous study. Yeah, here's some of the stuff. And it's a fairly long article. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I'll read bits and pieces out of it for you. Uh, it says, uh, most parents would be troubled when their kids start to deceive them. But research says uh, the opposite is true. Lying is not only normal, in children, says the New York Times, it's also a sign of intelligence. Why do some children start lying at an earlier age than others? What separates them from their more honest peers? The short answer is, they are smarter. Other research has shown that children who lie have better 
executive functioning skills, an array of facilities that enable us to control our impulses and remain focused on a task, as well as a heightened ability to see the world through other people's eyes, a critical indicator of cognitive development known as theory of mind. Children with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is characterized by weaker executive functioning, and those with spectrum disorders such as autism, which are characterized by deficits in theory of mind, have trouble with lying. So there you go. If your child's a liar, he's really, really smart. If he's not a liar, he may have attention deficit disorder or be autistic. The question, of course, becomes, does perfecting the art of lying make a child smarter, or does being smart lend itself to lying? Which comes first, dishonesty or a high IQ? Well, I'm not going to attempt to unravel that puzzle. I will, however, mention that people who habitually lie are known as sociopaths. As adults, a fair number of them spend time in prison for doing such things as embezzling from their employers or conning elderly people out of their life savings. Yes, folks, in a prison population, one even finds geniuses. So, whereas the New York Times sees it as good news that some children become inveterate liars at an early age, teaching a child to lie in the hopes that he or she will become smarter as a result is not recommended. Unfortunately, today's parenting culture seems to put a higher premium on a high IQ than it does morality. Yeah, you heard it here. Consider that one regularly sees bumper stickers advertising children's academic achievements. You know, the My Child is an Honor Student at Cut Above Academy. But none, no bumper stickers, I've never seen one, that publicize children's moral sturdiness as in my child may not be the smartest knife in the drawer, but she is polite and hardworking. How many parents do you know who have enrolled their kids in after-school tutoring in manners? It would appear that a good number of today's parents are more concerned with achievement than character. The guilty parties would never admit it, of course. If asked, given the choice, would you rather that your child make straight A's or always tell the truth and strive to never hurt another person's feelings? The parents in question will lie, which is sociopathic, which may go a long way toward explaining why some straight A kids are incorrigible liars or vice versa. I, I mean, is this bizarre or what? I, I mean, just when you thought, you being the, the ubiquitous you, that you had heard it all. You know, boys claiming to be girls, girls claiming to be boys, uh, five-year-olds undergoing gender reassignment surgery. Just when you thought you had heard it all, you discover, no, you have not heard it all because there is no all from the progressive postmodern left. There is no fence around their thinking whatsoever. We Christians, we have a fence around our thinking. They do not, which is why they're thinking they're being postmodern, progressive leftists, such as populate the newsroom of the New York Times, which is why their thinking wanders all over the playing field. 
In fact, the whole world is their playing field. In fact, the whole Darwinian universe is their playing field. And their thinking just wanders all over it. And whatever the rock they stumble over, that's their latest new idea. Because in the world of progressivism, new ideas are better than old ideas. So the latest new idea from the New York Times, you heard it first from the New York Times, You're hearing it now from yours truly, John Roseman, your talk show host on Because I Said So, carried exclusively on American Family Radio every Saturday, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. You can do the math from there. You heard it second from me. These people are crazy. The idea that that lying is a sign of high intelligence, and according to the New York Times, quote, That's good? That, folks, is nothing short of left-wing Looney Tune craziness. Now, we have a fence around our thinking. It's called the Bible. It's called God's Word. God's Word limits the degree to which we will entertain new ideas because we are told there is nothing new under the sun. We are told there is one proper worldview. We are told there is a clear, a clear, line of demarcation between right and wrong, good and bad. We are told what evil is constituted of. We are told who the one God is. We are told who our Savior is, and we are told how to get to heaven. And those people are searching. They're not searching for heaven. They're searching for utopia. And there is a distinction between heaven and utopia. Heaven is a real place. Utopia is a delusion. It is a leftist Looney Tune delusion. Been there, done that. Those of you who have been listening to the show for quite a while know that I was once an atheist, progressive, leftist, proto-socialist, campus agitator, radical organizer. Been there, done that. So when I talk about those people on the progressive left, I know exactly what I'm talking about. They are Looney Tunes. They are delusionary. I don't mind saying so. The New York Times piece also mentions research that finds that punishment doesn't deter, much less rehabilitate most childhood liars. That's consistent with my experience. The thrill of getting away with a lie seems to greatly outweigh any possibility of negative consequences. The same researchers recommend what they term positive messaging, emphasizing the benefits of honesty rather than threatening punishment. That certainly won't hurt, but I'm skeptical of its long-term value. Not surprisingly, money talks to the aspiring sociopath. When compensated sufficiently, young liars will tell the truth. How about that? Well, that just fails to justify the immorality of paying for morality. Another way of saying the same thing, paying a sociopath to not behave like a sociopath is sociopathic. Furthermore, the researchers in question failed to say that paying for honesty brought about permanent transformation in the person's heart. Therefore, it's safe to say it didn't. Well, what does? Well... Along those lines, two parents once told me that they successfully fought fire with fire. They began lying about everything and anything, what was for dinner, what movie they were going to see, that they were going to raise his allowance to their nine-year-old aspiring sociopath, everything and anything. Mom, where are we going? To the park. Ten minutes later, Mom, this is not the park. 
I know. I lied. This went on for several weeks before he got it, and he begged them to stop. Now, mind you, during this time, they, they did not you know, deliver any moral sermons to him. They just lied to him about everything until he begged them to stop. They did, promising more of the same if he relapsed, and he's been lie-free for three years now. Your great-grandparents called it reverse psychology. By the way, your great-grandparents were right about most things parenting. Glad you could join the show today. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. It is, let me remind you, carried on your local American family radio station every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you don't catch it there, it's podcast from my website at johnroseman.com the following Tuesday and thereafter. God bless you all for listening. God bless your families. See you next week. Bye-bye.